act, and then I'll get it over with. It's just this once. And I feel like I found thousands of different ways to fall into exactly the same sin because I kept listening to this excuse that it's just this once. And it wasn't until I sat with a counselor friend who asked me three very clarifying questions. At that point, my marriage was at a real breaking point, and I was finally open to outside help and input. And, and this friend looked at me, and he said, Nick, let me ask you some questions. Number one, how long has this been a problem? And I, I told him what I've just told you. I said, well, for about 15 years. And he said, okay, number two, how many times have you tried to stop this behavior? And I said, again, what I just told you, I said, every time was the last time. Every time I was going to stop, it was it. This was the one, one more special, unique reason why I had to do it, and then I would be done. I said, I've, I've tried to stop thousands of times. And he said, okay, and number three, is it causing you or people you love significant amounts of pain? And I said, well, well yes, it's it's destroying my faith. I feel awful about it. I feel shameful. I feel dirty. I can't believe I give in. And, and it's destroying my wife. She feels so hurt by it. And he said, well, Nick, put those together. It's been a problem for a long time. You've tried to stop repeatedly and can't, even though it's hurting you or people you love. And he looked across at me and he said, Nick, that's the definition of addiction. And I remember at that point, I kind of I sat back like, I felt like he'd reached over and slapped me because in my mind, I, I, was a, I was a pastor and a pastor and addiction could not and did not and should not go together. I had an image in my mind of what addiction looked like and addiction certainly didn't mean being a pastor in a church and yeah, I knew I had some problems and yeah, I knew I needed to figure some things out, but me, addiction, no. But it was the truth I needed that began to cut through the excuses, that began to cut through my lies. I'll come back to that story a little later. And that's where this young man finds himself. That Do you see where he started out? I, I'm just going to walk by her house. I'm, I'm just curious. I, I would certainly never go in. I'm not going to go too far. But then suddenly she's there. And she's beautiful. And, 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 and something's feeling good. And things inside him are getting started up. And and he's looking around like, man, I, I never in a million years thought it would be like this. This is too good to say no. And he finds himself walking into her house, going places he never intended to go. And friends, that is the nature of lust and pornography and our sexual struggles, is that it will always take us further than we meant to go, keep us longer than we meant to stay, and cost us more than we meant to pay. It'll take us further than we meant to go, keep us longer than we meant to stay, and cost us more than we ever meant to pay. And that's where this young man finds himself. And Solomon looks at his situation in verse 22, and here's his message. He says, all at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. And maybe something in us says, whoa, no, no, an ox going to the slaughter? No, no, I mean, this man, this is a golden opportunity, like, he gets to be with this beautiful woman and it's this special thing and it's all perfect and who would say no? And Solomon cuts through the clutter and says, no, he's like an ox going to the slaughter. Like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his 
life. Solomon sees the situation through clarity, through honesty, through wisdom. And then he says this, verse 24, Now then, my sons, we could say, Now then, my friends, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Now, that's a very, very interesting term. Don't let your heart stray. And what Solomon is identifying here is the third excuse that we tend to listen to, where we say just, and the third is this, that I'm just going to think about it. It's just lust. It's just fantasy. Who doesn't give in to lust? Who doesn't give in to fantasy? Who doesn't think about it now and again? I'm not ever actually going to do it. I'm just going to think about it. But here Solomon, the wisest man in the world, says, no, because what you think about is where your heart goes. And where your heart goes often enough, long enough, sooner or later, your feet will follow. And so he identifies the heart issue. He says, don't let your heart, don't let your mind and your thoughts turn towards that because there's danger there. It's not a path to a golden opportunity. It's a path that leads to death. This is his final words, verse 26. He says, many are the victims. Saying to this young man, you're not unique. This isn't some special thing. She's, she's done this, this attitude of lust and desire and pornography. This happens to many. They're the victims she has brought down and her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave. It's not a unique path. It's a four-lane super freeway filled with people listening to the lies and the excuses, and it heads down to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. See, here, here's the, the key this morning, the, the bold there in the middle, that our desires or our lust are a direction that determines our destination. The places our thoughts go, the desires we have, the lusts that we give into aren't a just. They're not just what we're going to think about. They're a direction. And it is our direction that determines where we head up. And so a pivotal question for you and I this morning is the next one there. Where will lust lead you? Think about that for a moment. Where will lust lead you? And maybe you don't know the full answer. Maybe you don't know what the outcome would be. And, and maybe you're young and haven't thought far enough ahead about what might the outcome be. But I, I think when we sit with that question, we would look at it and say, well, the answer is nowhere good. That, that I'm not going to lust in my mind and end up in a better place in a marriage or relationship. I'm not going to let my heart and mind be filled with fantasy and sexual thoughts and end up as a stronger Christian or a better dad. Where will lust lead you? Nowhere good. James, the brother of Jesus, uh, kind of gives us this pattern in a really stark way in his letter to the church in the first century. You can turn there if you want, or I'll just read for you James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, where he says this. He says, Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. So do you see the pattern there? He says that, that evil desire 
gives birth to temptation, that gives birth to sin, and that over time, sin, when it's grown and matured, leads to death. And some of you in this room, you've maybe experienced the death that comes from allowing sin to be fully grown. And if that's happened, if, if it's led to the death of a dream or the death of a relationship or the death of a career or the death of a future, you can look back and you can say, yeah, I can see a long ways back. I should have done something about this. But I was saying it's just, it's no big deal. I can handle it. It's just this once until it leads to death. And then when it leads there, well, then we're willing to do anything. But sometimes it's too late. You see, the battle, friends, is not to look at how do I avoid death. The battle is to go back to the beginning of this sequence to say, where is the evil desire giving birth to temptation? Because the truth is, as fallen human beings, every one of us lives with evil desires. And that doesn't make you bad. That doesn't make you dirty or ugly or guilty or shameful. That makes you a human being. And to be able to acknowledge, I, I have some desires. And I can see that if I let them go, they're going to give into some temptation. And, and if I give into that, that's going to lead me into sin, and that will turn into death. So the place to do the work is in the desires. It's in the area of lust to say, it's not just lust. It's a path. It's a direction. And that direction will determine my destination. Here's the reality. Next note there for you is that lust promises a momentary fulfillment of something only God can ultimately fulfill. The false promise of lust is a momentary fulfillment of something that God can ultimately fulfill. That tucked inside that desire for, for sex or feeling good or attractive or beautiful or sexy is actually a desire to feel completely known and loved and accepted by God. But friends, that's a hard path, and, and, and that can be difficult to figure out. And so we live in a day and age that says, don't bother with that long-term stuff. Just live for the now, because it's just lust. It's just pornography. It's just sex. What's the big deal? But it's a momentary fulfillment of something only God can ultimately fulfill. In my work as a pastor, from time to time, I've had men come in to my office and share with me that they'd cross some lines they never meant to cross, and it was probably going to cost them their marriage, that, that they'd had affairs or they'd done something illegal. And every one of them uses a similar sentence. They'll say, Nick, I never thought I would be this guy. And that's the point, is that no one ever thinks it'll go that far, and yet you look around our culture, and you know that over and over it does go that far. But we think, well, well not to me. I can control it. I can handle it. That won't be me. But everyone that ends up in that place gets there and says, I never meant to get here. No young man stands at the altar and pledges his love to his bride and then thinks, you know, in, in 10 years, I'm going to get frustrated with her and I'm going to start flirting too much at work and, and I'm going to end up having a couple of affairs and it's going to cost me thousands of dollars. I'm going to lose my kids. And no one stands and says that on their wedding day. No young bride thinks, oh, I love him so much today, but I'm going to get disillusioned a couple of years down the road, and I'm going to spend way too much time on social media, and I'm going to find an old high school boyfriend, and we're going to start chatting, and it's going to go too far, and I'm going to lose my marriage. That's my plan. Nobody makes that plan. But we allow desire 
to give birth to temptation that gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. And we can fight it. If it comes to death in your life, you'll wish to God that you had done more earlier. And if that's the case, then could we begin to fight it now and say, it's not just anything. It's a path. And the path I pick will determine where I end up. So what do we do about this? Well, Jesus gave us some really clear instruction. some great teaching in Matthew chapter 5. And I'll, I'll read that for you. Uh, he says this. He says in Matthew 5, 27, You've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. All right? Gouge out your eyes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father... Wait, no... It's like, whoa, Jesus, what do you mean here? I mean, if that was the case, you'd have a good percentage of the Christian church walking around with no eyes. Is that what he wants? Well, no, Jesus is using hyperbole here. He's making an exaggerated statement to make a point. And what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 5 is, he's saying, take extreme measures now to deal with lustful thinking in your life so that the Father doesn't have to take extreme measures when you stand before him in eternity. Now, some of this I know feels heavy. It's like, oh, man, this feels condemning. This feels judging. This feels like, man, what hope is there? Why? Jesus, why would you be so heavy on us? Is it because he wants to condemn us? No. It's because his plan for us is life. His plan for us is love. And he's looking at an area that he knows we tend to minimize. And we say, oh, it's just lust. And Jesus says, no, it's a big deal because it can take your heart astray from your heavenly father so much so that you might miss out on the eternal promises of heaven. And so I'm calling you to face it, to take action now. Proverbs 7, the reason Solomon preached those words was not to point a bony finger at all the young men and say, you better shape up and behave. No, if you read the beginning of Proverbs 7, 1, he says, my sons, listen to my instruction for they are a way of life. So Jesus and King Solomon and, and the apostle James in the New Testament are looking at this topic and saying, God loves you too much and has too great of plans and freedom for you to let you shipwreck your lives on lust that gives birth to temptation and sin and death. So face it. So deal with it. And real, quick, real quickly here, I want to give us two ways that, that we could take action here because there would be nothing worse this morning than if, if we heard this message and something in us is going, yeah, that's right, it's not just lust and, and I want to walk on a path to life and then we go home and change absolutely nothing. You know what would change in that case? Nothing. If we just try harder and pray a little more and say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this more seriously, that won't lead to life. What does? The Apostle Paul gave us some timeless instruction in 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, Timothy 2, 22, and I just pulled out my bookmark, so it'll take me a second here. Here it is. He says, flee the evil desires of youth. That's pretty straightforward. 
What are the evil desires of youth? Well, it's the seven deadly sins. It's lust. So the first step for us this morning is we must be people that flee, that run from. As we think about taking it home, I want to encourage you to run from. And what that looks like, it means to get out and to get some guardrails. To get out. It's the principle of the hole that if you find yourself in a hole, the principle of the hole is this, stop digging. And so if you find yourself in a place where you're continually being tempted back into some kind of lust or sexual sin or pornography, step one is stop digging. That if you're in a relationship and, and, and you don't mean for it to go too far, but it often does, you need to get out. If you've got a phone or a device, and most of the time you use it for good things, but every once in a while you stray where you didn't mean to, <coughs> you may need to get out and get rid of and, and put some guardrails on your life. Do you know where they put guardrails in our highway system? They don't put the guardrails down in the valleys, right? They don't put it over the cliff. They put guardrails up on top where actually, if the guardrail wasn't there, you could drive there. You could drive right where that guardrail is but they put it up there so you don't have to crash before you hit the guardrail. And in our lives, when it comes to sexual purity, we need to have guardrails that we bump up against before we crash so that we're able to back off and go, oh, that's not a safe area for me. And I talk to young men and women, older men and women all the time that have made decisions about things like how they view television, how they use the internet, where they're willing to go or not go with friends, because, not because those are sinful things. It's not sinful to be up late watching TV. But if that's continually leading to places you didn't mean to go, then you need to put a guardrail up and say, I just don't do that. So run from by getting out and putting some guardrails in your life. And then listen to the rest of this verse. Paul says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. <coughs> Sometimes we almost dismiss words like that at the end. That we're to do these things along with those that have, that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. In this area in particular, perhaps more than any other, we cannot defeat lust on our own. Because in that place, we are mistaking the problem and the solution for being the same thing. We get into this problem on our own. We get isolated, and we're filled with lust, and we give in to temptation, and then we think, okay, the way out is I got to fix this by myself. I got to try harder and, and do more. And sure, there are things you can do, but the way out is not alone. That's why at, at Pure Desire, so much of what we have, if, if you come down to the table, you'll see it's material for groups to be able to sit together with other men or with other women and say, here's the reality of my life, here's what's going on, help me to see what I need to do. And as we share our stories together in a safe place, God brings to us healing and freedom. Maybe you're here this morning and, and your, your heart is for your children because you feel like maybe you've got some groundwork in this area in your life, but you fear for them and where, where they're growing up. I want you to know that we have great studies that you could do with a teenage guy or a teenage gal, and they're really designed to be done with a parent and their son or daughter, or in a small group with a youth leader, and I'd love to have you check that out, because as, as we realize this doesn't have to be taboo, this doesn't have to be the one thing we avoid or nobody talks about, 
that that's actually perpetuating the cycle. But as we pursue righteousness and faith and love and peace along with others, God brings freedom. So we not only need to run from, but we need to run toward. The last note on your outline this morning, run toward. Renew your mind and build relationships. Renew your mind and build relationships. And that happens as we come together and say, I don't know, I'm not going to hide anymore. I'm not going to minimize it and say it's just lust. I'm, I'm going to take extreme measures. I'm going to do whatever it takes to face this fully and finally in my life because I don't want it to lead to death. I want to walk on a path that leads to life and to freedom. And that will take other people in your life. It'll take a renewed mind, being rooted in God's word and being built up in relationships. Because, friends, it's not just lust. It's a direction. It's a path. And it is the direction that will determine our destination. And Jesus wants you walking on a road not that leads to death and destruction. Jesus wants you and invites you onto a road that leads to life. Let's pray together this morning as the worship team comes. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for your goodness and for your grace that even in this area, that can sometimes feel so personal or can feel so violating or so dirty. So many, Lord, in this room have histories that, that if we heard, our hearts would break for what happened to them that perhaps created an area of brokenness in our life. God, thank you that your grace is enough for us there. That if we're here this morning and we're caught up in, in anything along these lines of lust or pornography or sexual sin, that... God, you're not standing by judging and angry and disappointed. You're a good, good father. You're filled with love and compassion and you're calling to us even now. You're inviting us to say there is a way that leads to life and I'm with you. Let's walk on it together. So God, I pray that in this church you would raise up men and women that are bold, that are bold to say I will do whatever it takes. I will face whatever I need to face because I want to choose life. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to see through the excuses that we listen to. <coughs> if anywhere we're saying, oh, it's just this, or I'm just curious, it's just this once, God, I pray your truth would come in. That we would take any extreme measures we need to that we could begin to walk in freedom and in joy. And Lord, I thank you again that that's your heart for us, not to judge and to condemn, but to deliver and to forgive and to set free. And so may your light fill this place. May your light fill every person that we would no longer walk and live in darkness, deceiving ourselves by saying it's just lust, but that we would step boldly into your light. And even if it makes us cringe a little bit at first, that we'd stand in the light as long as it takes for you to cleanse us, to redeem us, to make us like you. And then, Lord, I pray that you would send us 
that we wouldn't be set free and healed just for our own good, but that you would open our eyes to see that you want to do something in us so that you can send a message through us. Because, Lord, we look around our world and we know, we know it is so broken in this area of our sexuality. And God, we as the church, we need to be the answer. We need to be your hope and your healing to a world that's dying in their sin. But Lord, in order to be that, we need to allow you to work in us first. So God, do a good work. Right here at Seattle Chinese Alliance, Lord, do a good and redeeming work and make this the kind of place where it is safe to have issues and to face them and to experience your love and your grace as we do. Jesus, we ask for your help in this. I pray that you would put on each heart what it is they need to do. If they need to get out, that they'd get out. If they need to run from, they'd run from. If they need to run towards, that they'd run towards others. And that we would be faithful to do whatever you're calling us to do. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and mighty name. stand with me as we respond. Sing it out. There's a place. There's a Pero... 